Rescue attempt? Might be. Yes. supposed to be saturday what day is it today wednesday exactly Welcome to Film Fight Club. I'm Glenn Falconstein from Falcon Screen, and we are joined by freelance writer and critic Varat Nehru. Hello, people. And Sydney filmmaker Chris Evans. Keep it real. Now, that introduction has never been more relevant because we just talk Sydney Kino Cabaret, which was all weekend. Chris and I will be talking about all things Kino later in the program and on the podcast, which you should subscribe to now on iTunes and also on Spotify. Spotify. Yeah, we're on Spotify. We've had some demand, uh, and it was met. Thank you, Spotify. Hello, young people. Yeah, yeah, yeah we are out on Spotify. Young people I've spoken to have said, oh, but well, is it on Spotify? I said Taylor and Swift it, now, no, she's back on Spotify you too. Know, it's really hard to get on Spotify, but ha, we did it. <laughs> Breaking down those walls. Breaking down those barriers. We're young too, by the way. Just just, just wanted to put that It's all there. relative. Yeah. Age, what is its number? Right. We will also be talking Roma, which is premiering tomorrow night at the Cine Latino Film Festival in New South Wales. The Australian premiere was in Adelaide. It also screened tonight in Canberra and yesterday in Melbourne, Writers Court, and it will be opening in on Netflix. So we think they're opening on Netflix on December 14. Spoilers, it's very good. And we will also be talking all things shoplifters. And Australia Says Yes, the new documentary, which is screening on SBS tomorrow night. Yeah. Australia did say yes after a long, long, hard-fought fight. Yes, it is the anniversary. It's time for the anniversary of the S-Vote, which takes place, well, which will be tomorrow. But first, we are talking all things Japanese Film Festival, the film festival which has been touring and popping into 16 cities all around the country, is arriving in Sydney tomorrow night. It is screening at event cinemas from the 15th through to the 25th. And we have, from the Japan Foundation, just across the road from the 2SCR studio, Alison Groves, the festival programmer, to talk all things Japanese. Film Festival. Alison, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So we want to talk all about the festival and the films you have playing, but first of all, the Japanese Film Festival, can you tell us a little bit about it? What is it all about? <laughs> well, uh, as the name suggests, Japanese Films is our game, and um, we're here to bring Australia diverse, exciting, new Japanese cinema. Um, so you might have been lucky enough to catch our classics program, which was screening at the Art Gave New South Wales. Pretty interesting stuff in there this year, actually. Yeah, thank you. Um, we thought so too. Mm. Um, and we also do a regional program, as you mentioned, 16 cities. Um, we go to all corners of Australia these days. And we also have a main program, which just features new release. And we've got over 30 features of new release Japanese cinema for Sydney. It's one of the biggest... Um, national film festivals in Australia and it's very well established so I'm wondering when you curate the program at JFF is there something in particular you like to highlight or do you just Mm. try to give a little bit of something for everyone that's a really good question um and it's it's kind of got two parts to it yes we're trying to we do try and find something in diverse genres so we're absolutely looking for an exciting anime and a really good romance and a good doco um but we're also looking at the things which are popular in japan originally the festival actually was reflecting box office popularity from japan and then to be honest kind of dumping it in australia and now the model is we look for what 
we think will be successful for Australian audiences, what Australian audiences are looking for within Japanese cinema. But we only have that luxury because we're in our 22nd year and we've built, like we've got out of our terrible teens and, and doing more exciting things. And now we're kind of experimenting We've got a five-hour film in our festival this year, which is <laughs> kind of I mean, a few years kind ago. Of crazy. Yeah, we didn't have happy hour, and I thought, oh, that you know, JFF would never screen a five-hour film, and now a few years later, yeah. here we are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's only due to the work of lots and lots of festivals and programmers before us that we're able to take these risks. But absolutely, we're looking for things which satisfy diverse audiences and also reflect what's popular and exciting and new in Japan. And also, as programmers, we look for kind of possibly overlooked aspects, especially young directors, um, and maybe more peripheral or fringe stories which um, offer a new aspect or facet of Japanese culture beyond the samurai, beyond the food culture. Asian cinema is usually very underrepresented in the festival circuit. It's very underrepresented in Australia. So actually I always have a look out for Japanese film festival. And so, But do you guys on the other side, because you're on the other side of the coin, do you guys feel a certain kind of pressure knowing that it is so underrepresented that you have to kind of do a thorough job to give because that's almost give an impression that you're carrying the, the for a lot of people because you're carrying that mantle for a lot of people. Yeah, that's true. I mean, um, absolutely. Outside the outside the um, manga adaptation and anime uh, territory, um, which we're so lucky to have a really strong representation now for cinematic releases, um, it's true that there are quite few um, dramas and documentaries or anything other than anime, to be honest, reaching general audiences and cinematic releases in Australia. Um, And we do get really excited when other film festivals program um, Japanese content, of course. Um, But I do also understand that, well, a lot of other, you know, really deserving Asian film cultures don't yet have a 22-year-old Japanese film uh, Yeah, film festival. (laughs) And so there is a bit of a privileged space in that we do have this, you know, 30 films, uh, which is over 30 films rather, 46 films in total in our overall program nationwide, um, which is huge. So, I mean, on one hand, we try and support those other releases when they come through. Um, But I don't really think of it as a pressure, to be honest. It's more of a a luxury, an indulgence, if you will. <laughs> it is definitely an indulgence, and it's, I've got a opening night, which is fantastic, but Chris has a question. Oh, no, no, no. I was just going to say I'm intrigued by the five-hour film, Wilderness. Oh, yeah. Um, why did you decide to take the risk, and can you tell us a bit about that uh, film? As you can imagine, as programmers, you're, you're trying to open um, appreciation and understanding, and Film festivals, as I'm sure you all know and appreciate, are largely attended by this like a film going, film buff audience that's really a, an important stakeholder mm-hmm. there. And then you've also got, for us, there are a lot of people who are just engaged with Japanese culture in, um, in a very everyday sense. And um, the festival is a really good gateway for them to kind of upgrade their fascination with ramen into something a little deeper. Um, so <laughs> we were really hoping that we can satisfy that local SFF crowd, to be honest, and, um, you know, say, you know, we do have films for you and we do take the risks and we, we are going to... Yeah, we yeah, are those I know. people. <laughs> I know you are. 
so you're going to send us to the wilderness with the five-hour film, which is fantastic. <laughs> I'm really excited by... We have an intermission. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I'm so grateful. We, <laughs> knowing Glenn, because he ditched me at the Sian Sono Tokyo Vampire Hotel, we're going to possibly two like, hours, leave for the interval and never come back. Keep coming back to this. I, I miss intermissions. <laughs> I miss the overture. I miss the on track to going back in. Yeah, yeah. We need this back in movies. I'm so glad you have it. movies yeah. with me, Glenn, because they do have an intermission from which you can leave and never come back. <laughs> <laughs> Gladly. All right. Uh, coming back to the mm-hmm. night film, One Cut of the Dead, which mm-hmm. has got so much traction. It seems to be a runaway hit because my friend at the Mumbai Film Festival just saw it and they've been raving about it. So I'm going to see it. I'm going to be there on opening night. I've got a ticket. I don't know. There's very few tickets left. So I don't know. How can you get a ticket for this one? But if people can somehow grab a ticket, what can they expect? A lot of fun. It's um, So your, your friend has superb taste, just so you know. Um, and... This film is just, uh, it's so outside of the machine of Japanese cinema culture. Um, you wouldn't, the story is just, to be honest, just ridiculous. And it's also for us to put a zombie comedy as our opening night film um, raised a few eyebrows. <laughs> but um, once the the importance of this film was understood, it's it makes a lot of sense. So the film is a debut feature by Shinichiro Ueda. And it's actually a seminar film, which means that the funding for it was, um, shall we say, extremely humble. And the cast kind of support the funding of the film itself. So everything's kind of backwards from from the beginning, right? And the film opens with a 37-minute single take, um, which is a zombie film. And then what happens after that is just... Kind of like the cool parts of Shaun of the Dead, but just like on a totally another level and Japanese. So it's just the the, the weird factor just is really good. Um, and I don't want to say too much, but I should mention that the film has now grossed over a thousand times its budget. And it has wow. now reached, it was only intended to be seen by a very small kind of industry circle. As I said, it's a seminar film. It's meant for kind of seed funding, really, like to, to do a larger production however it reached over two million audiences in japan and counting so the good news is people who have been lucky enough to see it in our other cities um have been telling their friends and kindly letting even all the way from mumbai (laughs) letting people know to go and catch it so it's it's a comedy um and it's just so refreshing um because it really has that energy of um the joy of filmmaking is just so alive in this film. And it's also like, if you want me to get deep on it, I really think it's a comment on Japanese society. And I think it's a comment on Japanese film industry. And maybe we can go into that for hours <laughs> after the film. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to a subsequent screening. And I love the idea of a 37 minute one shot take. We've seen Victoria lately, uh, West it's of Sunshine. Thing. It is, and people it's are doing it more, do. and people are becoming more proficient at it. So I can't wait to see what is done here. And also, you have, but you have so many films playing at the festival, one of which mm. is a period piece, uh, and it is Killing, focused on, um, well, Ronin in yeah, Japan from some centuries ago. Shinya Tsukamoto directed a very interesting Yeah, director. Fires on the Plane. Yeah, Tetsuo. The, Tetsuo. Is this as hardcore as some of his fans might expect? <sighs> yeah. Okay, it's, it's a really... Um, hmm. it's got this it's a samurai film so we are looking at a period samurai film however it's so much um, 
more sophisticated and um, how do I say it? Uh, the characterization and storytelling and emotive properties of the film are really profound. Um, and it's it's really a film about what it means to actually take blood with a sword and kill. Um, and a samurai is is an a profession is a profession and it's also a place in society and an expectation and a burden and and also a hugely privileged position as well at the same time so um yeah it's oh it's it's really poetic it really good, yeah. it's poetic and it's heavy and yeah. um sincere and also stars you know like i'm absolutely in love with our you and she's like, she's great. Actress, yeah, yeah. I love her a bit. She's great. Um, and Sosuke Ikematsu, who's um, another, you know, hugely popular talent, and um, and they do a really beautiful job. And yeah, it's it's a pretty moving film. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. Mm. I'm glad it caught your eye too. And another that caught my eye was Destiny, which is fantastical and different from, I think, most if not all the other films of the festival because you have humans living alongside creatures who don't typically coexist or habituate with people of or any <laughs> any people ever. So I'm really curious about this film. Yeah. Um, yeah, Destiny is – it's a live-action feature and uh, it's kind of in that, I guess, Harry Potter-esque world of um, – humans as well as fantastical um, supernatural and also a lot of mythological creatures come to life it's blended puppetry and cg which to be honest um a lot of we don't really see that coming out of japan very often at all um and when we do it's always with a little bit of okay how how is it going to turn out this time um and this one is actually visually like gorgeous and um the way they've integrated the cg and the puppetry is really cool um the characters the the creatures are really are really fun and cute and ugly and just fab. looking at it i got a bit of a labyrinth yeah kind of vibe. yeah 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 totally um it's definitely got like uh yeah there's like an adventure element to it and underlying the whole story it's essentially um, about a young couple, new, newly, sorry, not young, because the plot, t- oh, can't say too much there. Plot twist. There's a plot twist. <laughs> um, the It's the story of a new couple um, who kind of just find their feet as, as a married pair and um, navigate this uh, supernatural world of Kamakura, which is in a real city and a beautiful historic city as well. Hmm. And it was our opening film in uh, Adelaide, Canberra, Perth, and Brisbane. And audiences there absolutely loved it. Yeah, it was really a well-appreciated film. I'm hoping to catch a few in a night, because I know you have films mm. playing back-to-back, so I'm just going to have to spin in a few here and there and yeah. have, just lead from the afternoon to the evening, because there's a few I'm really excited for. Mm. I wanted to ask about River's Edge, because that really intrigued me in terms of how it's shot and also what it's doing in terms of a mood piece. And you also have the director... I think, as a guest appearance, which is going to be nice because people will have a lot of questions for this one because it opened Berlin, which is yeah, the fantastic. Fr- yeah, the, absolutely. Uh, go on. It's pretty interesting. I really like the original film. Mm. It's strange to see a remake, but it makes sense. Yeah. Without having seen this film, just the idea of shifting that to Japan. Yeah. 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 So the original is so 80s. Mm. Film. Yeah. Mm. So that's one thing that, to be honest, in all seriousness, I'm 
I don't know whether I'm not embarrassed, but it's true. I we don't we don't know if there's a serious connection between those two films because really? he hasn't actually said anything about that yet. But we're going to find out. Right, right. Because, I mean, there's obviously, like... There's yeah, a major, 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 major plot element. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're both um, called River's Edge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, however, it's not really described in its marketing as being a remake. Yeah. So, there's, a, I mean, there's lots of questions. Little, but it sounded a little different, but... Mm. Very similar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Reading the description here. Yeah. So yeah, that's right. We're looking at um, uh, Isao Yukisada's newest film. Um, he is a, a wonderful director. He brought us Pink and Grey, which we screened in 2016, um, which was a really good kind of thriller layered film. Actually, really. Um, deep in the headspace there um and as well as crying out love in the center of the world Man, what a tearjerker oh you know it <laughs> yeah. softy here yeah yeah, yeah, he <laughs> yeah so that was no, we were all a really beautiful Come film on, we hardened film critics <laughs> Tough yeah, up, that, that's guys. right that's right it's yeah. a really yeah. good just like super sentimental japanese romantic weepy mm. it, but it's really well executed it's so yeah. sincere yeah it really a is three hanky mm. weepies that's what i called it yeah, um, so it's it's nice to see, I guess, his dynamic elements. Um, he's dipping into, yeah, definitely a coming-of-age drama here. And I guess a lot of his films have um, youth at the centre um, and young adulthood. And this, as a coming-of-age film, like we have, you know, Chihayafuru and Rainbow Days and these very glossy representations of coming-of-age stories in Japan, which are hugely popular and largely manga adaptation. Um, But, um, yeah, River's Edge is definitely, um, you know, a brutal and quite difficult viewing experience because of its... um, yeah, just it's it's the way it addresses very serious issues in a really sincere way um, that you just feel the gravity of these characters' experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know how you were talking about, sorry, the River's Edge other film? Yeah. I did just remember, I should say that it's based on a manga. Really? Yeah. So I'm that's what I want to know. It's yeah, interesting. That, this is like... Um, I want to know the relationship between the manga and that American one. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we need to ask. <laughs> right. But yeah, fortunately, he's coming. So we yeah. actually can. Yeah. I wonder if it's like... Um, Osama Tezuka's Metropolis, which is sort of based yeah. on the, the Fritz Lang, Lang film, but yeah. it's also its own thing. Yeah, well, the, the, the manga is called Helter Skelter, if I'm recalling correctly. Okay. I think it is. Interesting. Maybe it's he'd... by a female mangaka, right. manga artist. I yeah. guess Film Fight Club will be there in the audience to ask the right questions. Oh, it's, yeah, it's please do. Please ask good questions. <laughs> it's like, I love it I when... I it at festivals. When I know. When did people you, give a question uh, that's yeah. actually, I wanted to say this long comment. I know. And, and the director just says, okay, that's interesting. Hmm. Yes. They oh. came all the way from Japan to answer yeah. your question about what's their inspiration. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was at, I was at a screening with George Lazenby once and he was asked about unregistered secret service and the question was, what kind of car did you drive? It's like, oh, uh-huh. mate, mate. You know, to be honest, George Lazenby, I mean, he's just a one-time bond. I wouldn't be asking too many questions of him either. No, he, he was cool. <laughs> I, I liked him. I did like that film. But speaking of films that are not with George Lazenby, um, <laughs> we've asked films about ones we want to see and are interested about 
Um, one I am before we, <laughs> yeah, before we get yeah, to yeah, yeah. Chris Gobert. I have to ask about um, Night is Short, Walk on Girl. Oh, yeah. I'm a huge fan of Masaki Yuasa. Me too. Great. So, <laughs> I told Lou the wall at MIF. So oh, cool. Very, very I, I missed it. Fantastic. Um, yeah, he's such an he has such an interesting, unique style. I know. And uh, from what I've heard, this one is related to the Tatami Galaxy, which is a fantastic mm-hmm. TV show to anyone listening. It's also based. Out there, oh yeah. Please watch this movie because I'm a philosophy major, so. Pizza. It's also based on a um, short novel, right? Um, yeah, so oh, from, sorry, I a graphic, a graphic novel from the same like author as the Tatami Galaxy, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, so right. yeah, I but mean, you know, you're in safe hands. Look, that combination yeah. is just oh. looking at the promo stuff. The visual design um, is exactly lifted from the Tatami Galaxy, so it seems like they're extending that world into yeah. a feature. Yeah, but, um, yeah. It sounds like a really loose, freewheeling film. Is that an accurate? It is super loose and freewheeling. Right. Um, it's set over just one boozy night in Kyoto, mm. and it's great. It's um, it follows yeah a young woman who's just referred to as the black haired girl throughout the whole. It's so cool. You know? Yeah, <laughs> calling your character that, um, and. Uh, a guy who's got a crush and then pretty much just like these motley crews of drunk businessmen, a wedding, a business party, uh, Matsuri, a festival, Japanese festival, um, a roving theatre troupe. Right. All these different groups kind of interesting. It sounds like like my philosophy one one days, to be honest. So yeah, (laughs) exactly right up my alley. Yeah, yeah it's um, troops, strong boozing people, <laughs> men with crushes on girls with no names. It's yeah. Exactly <laughs> like that. Yeah. Wow. Mysterious. Well, women Jeez. have names, right? <laughs> yeah. No, it's um, it's Yuasa at his best, and I'm so like Devil Man Crybaby was just yeah really right. cool, so and uh, I just can't get enough of like I could just watch it without subtitles or audio and feel so satiated. But his, the storytelling so is his animation. Style. It's so yeah. fluid and just, it's like raw stream yeah. of consciousness. Creativity. If you like Ghibli and you think that you know anime, please do yourself a huge favor and just Google Yuasa, mm. Y-U-A-S-A, mm. and um, look at anything that you can um, yeah. and then come and see. Uh, yeah. Mind Game. Short walk on go- oh, Mind, Mind Game, Game is amazing. amazing. A film he did from 2004. I think that's a good entry point. Yeah. And Devil Man Crybaby is on Netflix. Yeah. It came out this year, TV show he did. We always got Netflix. Netflix seems to come up every episode now. That's the, in- that's the industry. Well, that's the, yeah, that, that's it. Yeah. Roma coming, coming up next. Now, film struck died for this. Now, we have talks about the films <laughs> we want to see, but we haven't. Is there one that, uh, what a gem in the program, one that jumps out at you yeah, that audience should definitely yeah. seek out? Yeah, for me, okay, so I really like thrillers. Um, I, I'm into the genre. And um, my favorite thriller in the program is The Scythian Lamb. Um, it's, <laughs> the story is just so good. It's got um, six uh, former convicted murderers uh, completed their sentences and they're relocated all into the one country like coastal town, like what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, nothing at all. It's like, like, like same, yeah, Conair, all this thing. This always yeah. works out. <laughs> it's such a good premise, um, but it's it's a good thriller. I just really like um, I like Japanese thrillers and thrillers in general, and it's a really satisfying thriller. Um, good cast as well. Also. A kind of easily overlooked film, to be honest. Um, it's called Thicker Than Water. Um, it's funny and, to be honest, 
marketing this film and trying to talk about it is is difficult because it really straddles two genres um, in a really polarizing way, which is what makes it fascinating as well. Um, it's kind of a dark comedy about sibling rivalry. Um, and on one hand, it is like, you know, it is funny. Um, but then it also gets into this very like sophisticated, nuanced um, drama and um, bittersweet comedy levels. So, uh, yeah, it's really exciting one. Um, it was also um, from the same director as Hime Anore, which 2016 Japanese film festival goers may recall as well. It was very sophisticated thriller, once again, very layered um, and sophisticated. So, yeah, this is a story about two two pairs of siblings, I should mention. So two sisters, yeah, two sisters, two brothers, and the way their lives intersect and then, yeah, relationships spinning beyond what their expectations might be. Hmm. Now, the festival kicks off on Thursday night. Mm. And I know some of us already have tickets, but others who don't have tickets and want to get those ones that are selling fast, just book out a few sessions. Ooh, How do yeah. they get there? Uh, JapaneseFilmFestival.net will have all your info. Um, I should mention, if you are a film fan and you've got friends, or if you just like to consume a lot of films at once in a festival period, take advantage of our um, five film pass. It's much cheaper, and you can. The cool thing with that pass is that you can get five tickets to one film for the right. <laughs> pass. It's like so it's a France. cool loophole that I'm going to tell you about. Um, yeah. I've exploited <laughs> that in past. Okay. Yeah, I'm um, glad to hear that it's officially endorsed. <laughs> <laughs> Just walking up, thinking, "Can I get away with this? I don't know." Yeah. <laughs> it's totally fine. Um, and yeah, we have, of course have concession prices as well. Um, Will you have the passports this year? Oh, get oh yeah, we do. Stickers. We have a stamp rally. Yeah this year and get this we've got look how cool this is we've got um japanese jff japanese film festival chopsticks crazy they're really cute they've literally got our logo printed on them in gold um and if you do the 12 film challenge you can get one of our cool jff t-shirts which you'll see our friendly volunteers wearing around sydney for the next couple of weeks i know what i'm going to use if i want to stab my enemies Yeah, wow. I was thinking like digging I, the popcorn out of the bottom of the box. Can, that too, um, okay. She only God forgives. But yeah, it escalated pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. But after only God forgives, I did want to stab a few people. I'm going. Well, I'm definitely going to be using it to eat some delicious food with any. I don't know, just anywhere around Sydney. Stay away from me, man. Japanese. Yeah, um, yeah the, go to all the menu places in. Um, Regent Regent Square, but more, is that what it's called? I think uh, I think so. But, arcade, but, yeah. Well, we always go out there after the festival every year. Yeah, it's really good. It's going to leave which, which, anyway. Yeah. Which, which Omacha, Tenkomori. Pretty much. That, 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 yeah, you, the that, festival experience you, is not you, complete you, without you it. You know, we're going to find all of us at like ten thirty, basically any night between the fifteenth and twenty fifth, which is when you can go to the Japanese Film Festival. So please join us, Alison. It's been great. Thank you so much for attending all things JFF. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Yeah, see you around. And we'll be back in just one moment with more Film Fight Club. Welcome back.
back to Film Fight Club. That was, oh, I'm so excited for the Japanese Film Festival that we'll be basically spending a lot of nights there over the next couple of weeks. We'll also be talking in a moment on the podcast. Do subscribe on iTunes and Spotify about Shoplifters, which is the probably the most noteworthy Japanese film of the year, probably the biggest mm. international success coming out of Japan. Uh, some of us caught it at the Sydney Film Festival. I caught it at the Caloundra Film Festival in southern Queensland. And we will also be talking on the podcast about Roma, the New Australia Says Yes documentary, and all things Kino and Kino Cabaret. But before we get into that, we want to talk about um, the, well, the the tragic news which has affected the comics world, the film world, the creative world, certainly the Marvel world and the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which we spent a lot of time talking about because Stan Lee, the instigator of all this, uh, passed away at the ripe old age of 95 years. He had a fantastic innings, he had a fantastic run, and left an indelible stamp on everything comics everything cinema and the creative world as we know a massive cultural icon stanley co-created a huge amount of the marvel characters from the 60s certainly the most iconic ones like spider-man the x-men his initial run as writer on spider-man a lot of people consider to be some you know the peak of what superhero comics achieved um stanley gave voice to so many characters and created so many moments that are still being drawn from today. And it must be said that his first comic, his most successful comic, was the Fantastic Four, which is mm. yet to receive a great cinematic adaptation, but certainly one day it will come, and I hope it will. And he has done... And I know it was always a special, a special favorite of his, given it was the one that launched this whole universe. Yeah. What a strange life it must have been for Stan Lee to suddenly see a lot of his creations become extremely popular right as he enters into the last stages of his life with the sudden boom in superhero movies. I love that he insisted that he be allowed to have a cameo in every film based on his work, and he did uh, use that to great effect, which was all consistent. Like It was all the same character in all these Marvel films. On a sadder note, Stan Lee, in the last years of his life, was exploited a lot by people close to him who were managing his finances, Um, but it's very fortunate that he had people around him who found out about this and, I think, got to live out the last months of his life in freedom, finally free of the vultures and living in, you know, with this, hopefully with the clear and and contented mind that he deserved to go out one. He did a lot for the world. Capitalism sucks. So, Stan Lee... Rest in peace. You will be missed and you have been loved, as will your work for generations and generations to Very come. True. This has been Glenn Fangs and Chris Evans of Right Near Own Film Fight Club. Stay tuned and subscribe to the podcast for like all and subscribe. And also next week, tune in because we will be talking in more detail about Roma, but also about the new Suspiria. So we're going back to covering those two films and two we are very, very keen, two very different films we're very keen to talk about. Absolutely. Two of the biggest of the year. Have a wonderful night. Enjoy movies. Good night. Welcome back to the Film Fight Club podcast. It's been so long. It's been ages where, oh my God, it's been... What a time have we had. So things have changed the time we were recording last episode and now the just the podcast. Time yeah, we've, we've all become richer and deeper. We've aged. Yeah. We're knowledgeable, wise. wise. Some of us become wiser. I don't well, feel I have. As long as you don't leave in the intervals. True. Well, we're, we're going to be on this. Yes, yes. I admit, I yes, I left during this film and it's never it's never, it's never gonna be let go we're just gonna internally talk about this for 
And so I it's it's the new David Lynch and Terrence Malick reference of Film Fight Club. <laughs> Every oh, okay, there we go. There we go. We had our Terrence Malick Lynch there reference, and we're done with. T- speaking of, we're Terrence, not actually. We're speak, not done. There's speaking, more to come. Speaking, speaking of, of Terrence, Terrence Malick. Okay, well, I've used a Terrence Malick segue. Uh, this weekend, Kino Sydney is the most amazing film collective. Um, every month, it's like a book club. You get together, you produce, and you show it's films to an audience. It's, it's like an open mic night. I've, okay, they describe it as yeah. an open mic night for films. Um, you can present anything you've worked on, whether it is the crappiest little tissue box uh, filmed. Uh, sorry, I don't know why I thought about making movies with a tissue box. But you can. I, I, suppose I, made it with, I made one with the Green Goblin right. uh, yeah, 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 yeah. doll. Tears, guys. It's for the tears, not for anything else. <laughs> um, I wish I dedicated... I, it was before the news of death. Should I dedicate that film posthumously to Stanley and his yeah, glorious life of makes work. Sense. Um, we met, got together over a weekend and we made dozens of Kino Cabaret. Films. Yeah, it's an event where people come together and make a film or work on as many films as possible, really, over 48 hours. Uh, but rules are made to be broken. So almost all of them were made over 72 hours before the screening. Um, there was an incredible spirit of collective collaboration and creative energy. And Glenn really made it happen to a large extent this year because he allowed all of the Kino filmmakers to use his house as a space uh, to come and work when the studios were closed. And the vibe at Glenn's place was electric. Uh, So to everyone listening, it should be recognized how much of a saint and how generous Glenn is. Yeah. I hate it when you're nice, Glenn, because then I have to say nice things about it. Glenn really was the producer of everyone's films, uncredited. Oh, that, that, that's very kind. Like, we had a, such a wonderful weekend. It was so amazing just to be able to walk in and to see literally just so many people, dozens of people creating and house, filming. At 2 a.m., people yeah. were filming things at Glenn's house. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's all like little corners are all like in different films. There's the alleyway, which is in one, and it yeah. all just kind of... Yeah, actually, your house is kind of like in sort of antique collection of myriad things. You know, it's, in- it's interesting. Tintin it's posters lying around. There's puzzles. Like yeah. you know, my puzzle almost got done. We have a we always have a, we have a dedicated puzzle table, and throughout the weekend, um, what started as the edge of a pro heart puzzle has almost been completed. Now I'm so grateful. We brought the energy of cre- of creativity and problem solving, and it was applied to everything in your house, including the puzzle. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> we mend hearts, quite literally. Yeah. So and we had such a good time, and the screening last night was so good. I'm um, speaking. I should mention we- that Glenn also made breakfast for people who were <laughs> and provided food to people who were making films, and he also allowed a whole bunch of people from Melbourne who came down to visit the festival to stay in his house. Two of which are sitting in on the recording yes. of this episode we're right now. Who is this so, person we're talking hi to, about? Like, hi to Josh and Fallon. Glenn you guys are amazing. Yeah. Yeah, you got you guys. Stay, don't don't, don't leave don't Sydney. Leave, yeah. we, 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 had, we had way too much fun. We do. You'll be trapped forever. Oh, you can't leave the studio now. We're sorry. Now, now we're breaking it to you. It's, it's you can't get out. But yeah, the two tie back into the Terrence Malick reference. We worked one of the films we worked <laughs> on was a parody of Terrence Malick. It was oh god, this was so good. I sold a soul. Sold a soul. This was glorious, <laughs> and it was just taking the piss <laughs> out of uh, well, specifically sold a soul. Uh, song to song, you mean? Song to song, sorry. But the but sold to soul just rolls off the tongue so well. It's, it's, it's like oh, it was that was that the title? The, the Malikisms in it were just great, and and uh, that intentional shot of myself with the sound recording oh, yeah, running yeah, yeah. away. I, <laughs> that I, was I such. Can really a, see the heart puzzle so sort of featuring. <laughs> Making a very you know cameo appearance in this but short film. What's funny about that shot being included 
you know, accidentally we filmed Glenn running away with his sound equipment as the camera did a 360 degree spin. It's a really sincere moment. Yeah. But what's funny about that is I've heard that's what it's actually like on Malik's sets because without notice at all, he'll suddenly just swing the camera around. So all the sound people and it, people carrying equipment have to, on no notice at all, just grab everything and run around behind the camera. At any moment, that could happen. And we also lost one of the main actors, which typically happens on a Malik film. Yeah. Which, and think, but that's what happens in Cabaret. Things change, things switch up. Cabaret, things... yeah. Kino Cabaret is very hard to describe if you haven't been there. But basically, no one, ha- instead of everyone working together on one film over 48 hours in teams, it's people working on as many as possible. And inevitably, that means that the people you need aren't there when you need them to be. So therefore, you have to improvise. And half, improvisation is half the fun. Yeah. And I'm... because the, the expectation of quality is so low. Which is not to say that the films are bad, but there isn't the need to create a polished work, which I think really liberates people and makes the process so much more free. You can experiment. I made a bunch of trailers about taking the piss out of what House of Cards and (laughs) Spider-Man. Except Glenn, because he's supposed to be, or apparently what I've learned, he's there for everyone forever and ever and ever. it, Except in intervals. It was fun. The house is... Back in the intervals. House is going to be very quiet for the next week. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. But yeah. it is... the you know, it is the most wonderful Fantastic. establishment. If you've ever been interested in dipping your toes into the the waters of filmmaking give Kino a shot I think their next monthly screening December, is on December 18th that's but it definitely at Sun Studios do come down yeah, definitely keep an ear out for Kino Cabaret next year we'll tell you when it's on uh, That that's really it can be like a once in a lifetime even right. you, you, you <laughs> a, have, opportunity yeah. to suddenly go there and have your life changed I can say it, it was that for me years ago so and I've had so much a a, such a ball the past year and so please do come down December 18 the next thing we want to talk about are two quick reviews um, of first of which is Roma we talk about Roma more substantively next week yeah we haven't got it yet but Rudd has yes Roma is fantastic I loved it so so much it's probably the most heartfelt film of the year that I've seen wow. and I'm saying that being a hardcore cynic so if, if it melts my heart, you know a film has to be very sincere. And it is mm. very sincere. It's short and black and white. Alfonso Cuaron is doing a semi-autobiographical sort of take about his growing up years. It's so Mexico in the 70s, in right? Mexico in the 70s. And the personal and political kind of meld together in this sort of, you know, hodgepodge of a beautiful mess about this family trying to keep it together in a very politically rife situation about Mexico City and what the politics of that thing is going on and how it's affecting the rich, the elite, and also the everyday people. And I really like how Quran has managed to bring it all together in a very personal tale. Because even though it's a very political film, it's not wearing its politics on the nose, which a lot of other films have been doing this past year. Yes, It's actually a very personal film. And I really liked that, how Quran knows what the heart of the film is and it keeps the heart and it doesn't let the politics take over. Mm. In that sense, it's a very different film and I think Netflix is very lucky, very lucky to have got it. But if you can see it on the big screen, which you should, it's you should definitely watch it. It's playing at the... Is it Cine Latino? Cine Latino Film Festival, which runs from the 15th of November to the 28th of November. At Pal Cinemas. At Pal Cinemas. The opening night is tomorrow night a lot at of Pal people, Cinemas Norton Street. Yeah. We're going and it's always a great party, so a, do come down. A lot of people have... I, I, that I've heard have said this really needs to be seen on the big screen so I guess it's take the opportunity it's got my favourite opening establishing shot of any film this year right wow it's beautiful wow well, I'm, I'm keen for that. We'll be catching that tomorrow night. The other film which is screening tomorrow night on SBS is the documentary Australia Says Yes, which ties in with the anniversary of the vote to legalise marriage equality in Australia. Virat caught this. Virat, what do we think of Australia Says Yes? Well, Australia Said Yes 
many, many years ago, and it's been saying yes quite loudly for a long time for the people not to hear it in the political establishment, but eventually when they did. And I think what this documentary does highlight is that inaction of the establishment and how the disconnect actually happened. And in this kind of sense, actually touches upon this kind of world scenario, the zeitgeist about how political establishments are not really listening to people across the world. It's actually a much more macro documentary. It sounds it's using Using this sort of very sort of personal, localized event to make a broader point. And in that sense, it is interesting, but it also is a very SBS kind of documentary, if that makes any sense. Well, you know, SBS, so. yeah, you know, yeah, I know, I know. But, like, you know, it has that very kind of, uh, you know, this is in a lot of stock footage, a lot of archival stuff, uh, using in very mundane, uninteresting ways. But the point when it does get across to it, it is interesting. It could have been a bit more inventive in the storytelling, but I guess that's not the point. So that is screening on Australia's so screening tomorrow night on SBS. Its director is Kirk Marcolina. And yes, the last film we are talking about is Shoplifters, which I caught at Caloundra and everyone else caught at Sydney, um, Film, Sydney Film, Film Festival. Festival. It is in cinemas tomorrow. It is the new Coriator film. And it is... The Palm Door winner this year. The Palm Door winner. At Cannes. It's, this is a strange one for me. I don't... I'm... It, I think it was a good film, but I'm ambivalent towards it. I usually, you know, I'm supposed to have things to say and be a critic, but this one... It was completely blank. I don't have... I can talk well, about the last there, which I found quite compelling, but I really don't have a great deal to say about this film. It's good, and and I can elaborate, but maybe... You, I'm, I'm curious well, to see what everyone thinks. It's interesting you had that response to it. Um, I've really liked some creative films in the past. This one I love, which I'll get into, but I have had that response to his filmmaking before. Like, Our Little Sister from a few years back for me, it was a snooze fest. And Like Father, Like Son, which was one that was really well received, and I had difficulty breaching the surface of that film. I think something about the way he documents the rhythms of life is so sort of... Um, it's a little bit... It, so it's detached, really it's, cold, it's a little bit detached. Very cold. Um, and it's a little bit... It's like a... Just hitting the beats. Naturalistic soap opera. In some ways, so you can easily just coast by and, oh, yeah, and now it's over. But in Shoplifters, I felt that way initially, but I found that it really snuck up on me. I started to get um, drawn into the rhythms of these people's lives. And this film is really about a family unit um, that's come together in a strange way and the ways that they get by and survive and love and support each other. And... um, I think it's a really interesting film in how it, it challenges conventional ideas of family. Uh, I think in this film, it maybe worked better than a lot of his recent stuff for me because I think he had a lot to say about society. That, um, But that only really got engaging towards the last third of the film when the conflict really, truly comes in. The, I agree. The, I like the non-traditional family dynamic, but it was only at this point that we really get to explore. And by that well, point, you're nearly the, finished the, the movie. The last third of the film I, was my favorite as well, but yeah. I found... B- before that, I was getting more and more drawn into these people's lives, and I, I found it quite funny and quite touching at times, just looking at the little moments and the way that they, they deal with setbacks. Um, I think I think the approach in this one, this time around, it really works. Just um, very kind of mellow approach to drama so that you can get to know these people before and get to know them really well over a protracted build-up before he starts wrenching the knife in. Mm. 
Um, what I really did like about the film was that even though there's a multitude of characters, you do get enough screen time with each right. of them it balances it to really, really well. know how they operate and why they think what they're thinking. And their different relationships with each other. You get to yes. see all the characters split off into different groups. So you and, really and get in, to know in them in a different facets Because, of them. you know, they are this family unit and how you find out in what situations they've come together. Mm. In some weird ways, they're stronger because of it rather than in spite of it, and which is an interesting comment that Korea is trying to make yeah. about what makes a family. Exactly, tick. that often the families we stick with are the ones that we're socially pressured to and, be a part of. And, yeah, and, and what makes for an actual family? Like, what are the qualities that make a good family? They have shared values and they support each other. And, and in that sense, it's, it's once again <clears> a very heartfelt film in which I, I agree with Chris that. It's not that heartbeat that creators other films might be lacking, you know. In, in the same sense, with Haneke's filmmaking seems to be lacking that kind of... Korea, you know, man, is so much warmer than Haneke. Yeah, that is true. Um, yeah, yes. But this film is also really non-judgmental yeah. of all of these characters. There's a lot of people in this film that a lot of movies would bring it's a moralizing... called shoplifters. Yeah, but a lot of movies would bring a moralizing approach to these sorts of people. And in, this film is really about humanity and accepting people come from hard places and do what they can to get by and there's nothing wrong with that and you know the, the movie is is definitely pointing the finger at society in terms of what we choose to punish and what we choose to celebrate and whether we really in the way that we work have people's best interests at heart for me i think the first two thirds and the establishing was important for the last third to work and to yes, take the rug off That's you. how it worked for me. So I think like that but establishing time. The, the comedy and the kind of humanity element and the family unit coming together to have this insight into these people's lives, that really sets you up to actually have that sucker punch moment when mm. the last third is yeah. built up that way. Otherwise, I don't think that impact would have been there. It's, so in that sense, I think it's deliberate. It might not have worked for some people because some people... Okay. No, I no, I get it. No, no, like I didn't I said, say it didn't work for me. His films before. I just um, said it, I'm rather ambivalent, mostly towards the first two parts of the film, two thirds of the film. Fair. And look, I think it is a film worth seeing. It's not uncompelling. And I, a, a warning: this will be remade in the U.S. This will be remade Maybe. somewhere. You never know. Like Father, Like Son from a few years ago, Steven Spielberg bought the remakes, remake rights too, but we still haven't seen anything. So I think it the, could the, just the, get lost in the shuffle. This story is obviously there are elements of it very intrinsic to Japanese culture, Japanese society, but it's the core really premise is a very unique universal concept it will be remade I think it's worth catching the original before I mean it's definitely better than Black Clansman winning Grand Prix at Cannes this year oh, so I mean way better. way better yeah. so I mean there is that as well so that is Shoplifters it'll be Don't in cinemas it. tomorrow Australia says yes we'll be screening on SBS tomorrow Cine Latino and the Japanese Film Festival opening tomorrow Kino has uh, will be screening on December 18th yep and, this time around and as we said earlier rest in peace Stanley you are a legend you are a hero and a true I giant have, of his time I have my pile of X-Men comics on the side of my desk and um, they're not getting any lighter they're not getting any smaller they're just going to keep growing because people are going to keep producing building on the amazing work you have built over decades Decades and decades of of just amazing investment. I think um, with Stan Lee's passing, we should also recognize the other giants of the medium who never reached the who, of Marvel, who never reached the same level of fame, but also had a massive, massive contribution, like Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko. Um, a lot of the artists didn't reach Stan Lee's level of celebrity, but had um, on a lot of these characters an equal level of input. And um, yeah, the, Jack the cultural Kirby, imprint. Thankfully, I think in recent sort of has a resurgence which is great yeah, but yeah you're quite right. all credit to Stanley he always paid his dues to these guys I've seen some people try to tarnish his name and say oh Stanley's stealing credit no not at all 
Um, but yeah, the Marvel comics, as much as I love to rag on the Marvel <laughs> Cinematic Universe on this show, have had an enormous cultural imprint and have inspired so many people over the years. So, and we'll it's a good to time so. to yeah, it's a good time to recognize the value. So, thank you for tuning into Film Fight Club. We'll be back back next week with Suspiria and a more substantive review from all of us of Roma, the new Alfonso Cuaron film, which, again, is screening in Latino, but will be on Netflix on December 14th. This has been Glenn Falkenstein, Chris Evans, and Virat Nehru. Have a wonderful night. Enjoy making movies. Enjoy movies. Enjoy, enjoy movies in all their forms. Yeah. Enjoy life. Enjoy life. <laughs> Good night. Good night. <laughs>